Hey, everybody, this is Betsy Carmody. We've covered a lot of popular culture on our little podcast, but sometimes there's a few things that just get past us. That's where the sacred sex steps in. From Star Trek to Major League Baseball, from the streets of Baltimore on the wire, to the trails of the Camino de Santiago in Spain, the Sacred Six is there to deep dive on topics that deserve just a little more attention. So if you're looking to cover an item in popular culture from A to Z, check out the Sacred Six on the Popping Collars feed wherever you get your podcasts. Pop, pop. Baby girl, look at Daley, yeah. Why she acting all resi? Hotter than a pan of fried bread grease. Have a native freaking power piece. Got your tea. Hi, I'm Greg Knight. Hey, I'm Ryan Parker. This is PCTV, a popping collar side project where we randomly select current TV show that you should be streaming right now. Ryan and I have each picked six shows from the top streaming apps, including Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Max, Prime Video, and Apple TV. And this month, talking about the Hulu slash FX, I guess we should say it's an FX series that, yeah, that airs on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it is the Hulu show Reservation Dogs. Abnormal. Y'all wouldn't have seen a stolen food truck, would you? Nope. Oh. Someone stole the truck. Broad daylight. Put your seatbelt on. Seatbelt. People's safety. We're stealing a f***ing chip I do not give a shit, man. Put your seatbelt on. We're not Go! Apparently it was full of chips. I've never seen anything like that. You're good thieves. Best in town. Thank you. It is a small town. Tell your friends. I don't have any. Go get some then. Okay. We could be in California as soon as two months. California, here we come. You and your buggy ass friends. What are you gonna fight for? <laughs> nah, I just have no idea. What? What? Oh, you guys watching this? It's gonna be like a month. What kind of gang was both red and blue? Indian Mafia couldn't make up their minds if they want to be Bloods or Crips more. Maybe they're blips. Or maybe they're cruds. Hey. It's easy to be bad. Fight the man. It's hard to be a warrior with dignity. Ryan, I have a brief description. Of- that way, I like it. Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, you know, what's hilarious is that Betsy and I are doing the Going on Thirty podcast, and we just hit Reservoir Dogs, and okay. that the Reservoir Dogs episode of our pod comes out the week before our reservation dogs episode of the pod so okay. it's a it's a dog's it's a dog's month on popping collars it's uh dog days of summer if you will <laughs> that's right by the way is it boiling where you are oh man i was in the car the other day and it, it, like it's one of those things where you have the the temperature gauge on the dash and it popped up to like 102 and i'm like yeah no no mm, <laughs> that's yeah. ridiculous um, I yeah, 
Yeah, I just answered the phone earlier today to somebody. Why did I move back to this <laughs> expletive, sweaty <laughs> jungle of a state? Anyway. All right. Hit us up. Reservation hey, Dogs. I, I got a brief description of Reservation Dogs. Let's go. Let's go. And uh, and then I'll let you fill in the gaps. It says this, a comedy series about four Native American teenagers growing up on a reservation in eastern Oklahoma. What else do we need to know about Reservation Dogs, Ryan? Not a lot. I mean, really? to, no, of, of course, there's more to know. But <laughs> that kind of sells it. I spent the last two days on a pod, on a um, hours long Zoom interviews. Well, li- observing, listening into these interviews with a filmmaker. Yeah. who's working on a film that we're promoting and, or he directed the film we're promoting. And when people constantly asked him, why were you drawn to this movie? And he said, well, the tagline was three Irish women set off on a pilgrimage to Lords. What's not oh, to nice. love. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, uh, when you said, you know, four teens growing up on a reservation in Oklahoma, uh, what's not to love in part, if you want to talk about, and I know you always come back to these conversations toward the end of each episode, an industry perspective. Yeah. There's a lot to like there because we quite frankly haven't seen a show quite like this. I think there are comparisons to other FX shows, and I think it's why it fits in their ecosystem so well. Um, it feels a little bit like Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I'm watching Dave right now. It, it's not really close to Dave, but you you could could kind of tie a string there a little bit. I like how, and in full disclosure, I've only watched the first season. I believe you watched both. Mm -hmm. Um, And how you talked about, you told me in a text that it's to not stress over watching every, getting through the first season was obviously important for us to have this conversation, but not necessarily the second, because you're looking at a show that's not necessarily concerned with plot so much as it is a vibe. Yeah. Um, And I totally felt that uh, agree with you and i wonder if you wouldn't mind wh- what did you mean by that like how to and why is that important to you yeah or, here's or the yeah different. here's the thing and the reason that i picked this show for our pod is because like if you want to get me on board with whatever it is that you've got going on like fire up a hangout show where teenagers yeah. are just like kicking it and you yeah. know figuring things out like you know i mean that's going to hit me every single time because it's going to take me back to like um what dazed and confused it's going to take me back to clerks it's going to take me back to like all these like hangout you know just shooting the with your friends you know kind of situation like i i just think it's i just think it's great and i think probably the standout for me and what really like drew me into the show was the fact that these are all I mean, they're they're all actors, but they're all very young actors who don't have a whole Absolutely. lot of credits under their belt. Yes. And I mean, you talk about a solid core of like four kids like it Nail is. It. Oh, my God. Like the casting alone is worth recommending the show because you're going to go in thinking like, oh, OK, so like four rookie actors. What is it? And you're going to come away with like four well-defined characters, you know, and it's just it's just really great. I just want to hang out with them. Like that's that's the show. I just want to hang out with those four kids. Yeah, I I, I like how um, it, it takes a special alchemy, chemistry, if you will, to be able to capture our attention, at least for the way it, it sounds like it did for you and it did for me. 
when you don't really have anything driving the narrative forward, of course. So for, for people who haven't watched the show, and this is not giving anything away at all, the biggest plot point is these four kids are also saving up money to go to California. Right. Because it's going to, because it, it, anywhere is better than where they are. And I want to come back to that in a minute too, as somebody who just moved back to Mississippi uh, from well, California. Let uh, me just, but, let me just, but whether on. or not they ever get there or go is beside the point because yeah. that's not what is driving us in, a, in another show in a lesser show. It would be about that. But I think you've pointed out uh, correctly how this is, this is not that, and it's better for it. And, yeah, there's more I want to say about that, but I know that you may have a couple other things to, to point yeah, to. Yeah, let me just tack on one other thing to that, which isn't a spoiler because it's really the premise of the show. The precipitating incident for for this show is that this group of four teenagers used to be a group of five, and one of their members is is gone. And it was it was his dream to go to California. And yeah, so good point. Yeah, and so these four teenagers have this sort of like dream to go out there, but they don't have any money and they don't have really any purpose and they don't have a goal once they get there, but it's their dead friend's last wish in their mind. And I'm going to tell you, and this is at risk of spoiling it, and maybe we come back to this in the spiritual theology corner, the way in which the creators of this show handled that absence yeah, is a masterclass in what precipitated that absence and yeah. the effect it has on a community, not just those four teenagers. Uh, and as you see that that ripple effect as the as the uh, season progresses, I, I just think it's really special. I mean, the main thing for me and the reason that I picked the show is because it's a great hangout vibe show. But it's also like the vibes are very different from, you know, anything that I experienced growing up now. You know, I grew up in rural North Carolina, so I I kind of understand like the poverty thing. I kind of understand like the country feel to it a little bit, but obviously, I didn't grow up on a res. You know, like this is like this is a very different kind of experience, like the Native American reservation uh, experience. And so, just being invited into this world 100%. and just seeing how everything kind of flows, right? So it's like. What is what does a police force look like on the res? What does like uh, the economy look like on the res? Retail stuff like that. Um, what are the hopes and dreams of this community? And then, of course, obviously for our podcast, how does religion and religious belief kind of weave its way through the culture? You know, because it's Can not I like Western church based stuff. It's just like integrated life religious stuff. That's a part of it's what they lived, do. It's lived theology. It's a it's a material spirituality. It's a all yeah. those academic kind of approaches to what this show is giving us from a pop pop cultural perspective. Can I ask you? Because um, I want to come back to. I'm not quite ready to get to the theology yet, yeah, yeah. even though I think there's some of this that's bound up in it. Um, how how do you as both of us here, white guys, on the uh, talking about a show that is decidedly not white? We're we're thankful to have it in the in the mix of options that we you know we have to watch. There, watching so much of it resonated with me growing up in a small town. Yeah, and at what point can we resonate? Like, what point can we talk about those resonances without whitewashing 
right? Without letting it be its own thing, even though I think that's the beautiful part about storytelling. It lets us see that we, there's so much that we do share, even though there, I, and I love how the series doesn't translate a lot of um, word, like indigenous words, mm-hmm. like the characters use and talking to each other. And we're left to kind of interpret contextually what those may be, but there is still that barrier between, well, this is not my story. Like this is, right. I, I can't fully relate, but there is a point at which I, I can get to that. Allow, that I think allows, allow for some connectivity or conversation or whatever. I, I, how, how did you think about that as you watched well, the show? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think identity matters, right? Obviously when it comes to how we approach these things, but I also think that, like the beauty of TV series like this, when they do invite you into the world of a community, and it should be said that the creator of this show, Sterling Harjo, is you know Native American. He produces this along with Taika Waititi, um, and one of the things that he talks about with the creation of the show is that he wrote this show, he pitched it to FX, uh, and it was Taika who saw the script and realized that. His native, his indigenous experience, Taika's indigenous experience in New Zealand had resonances with the indigenous experience that Sterling had in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. And it's this idea of like, dang, how are we having similar sort of res and indigenous expenses halfway across the world from each other, right? Yeah. And how can we tell these stories together? And yeah. um, and so like where I come into this mix is like, you know, yeah, all the cultural stuff is going to be specific to a certain population that I'm not going to be able to relate to as a white guy. But stories are what are sort of transcendent. Right. And that's what allow us, you know, when we share stories with each other, that's where we're able to tap in to like those similar experiences or something something kind of akin to a mirror, right? Where you're able to say, dang, yeah, I do remember growing up in a small community. And I remember like the people who sort of felt like they had to hustle to get out of it. And the people who felt like they had to hustle to figure out how to survive in it, right? It's not dissimilar from a show that you've already brought up, which is Atlanta, which I don't have anything in common with Donald Glover or Lakeith Stanfield, you know, or anything like that on that show either. But that, that sort of drive to hustle and to make it, you know, in whatever your circumstances, that is something that translates to a lot of other stories and a lot of other different contexts. And it's really, it's, it's really interesting to talk about Atlanta, which is a a real comp for this, where uh, it's in the South. mm -hmm. Uh, not a reservation. Um, reservation dogs is a reservation in Oklahoma, which somehow felt m- like more a- approachable. Yeah, in a way, given the small town nature, uh, the communal nature of of that experience. Not to say that there's not an element of that in Atlanta, but it's also against the backdrop of, as you've already said, striving for uh, fame, right, or some yeah. kind of renown in the in the kind of in the hip hop world. So like for so many people, like you feel locked in to what it is that is sort of prescribed for you based on where it is that you grew up. And like, there is something like in some people that, you know, is longing to sort of see like what's out there, what's in California, how can I get there? That kind of thing. And this, this show kind of speaks to that wonderlust, you know? 
Yeah, I grew up going to, you know, every summer and, you know, once a month or every couple months and holidays going to Philadelphia, Mississippi, which is Choctaw country and and going to the reservation there to you know either buy baskets or kind of as almost tourism you know it's you're exactly right like you feel they go back there now and you feel like that experience is exactly what you're saying is that there's it could you could see how it's confining and you can totally understand how kids would want to break out of that you know create their own identity but that again that could be small town anywhere Mm -hmm. right um low lower income communities anywhere so yeah there's just a lot there's a lot there um yeah or it could be that you just want to stay too i mean yeah it's well we could come back to that in a minute because i mean there Uh, are characters in the show that choose that right willie jack chooses which i think is a profound self-awareness and okay i'm i want to go here because one of the things that i was so drawn to in the show is this idea of community we could we can slot this into theology we can slot this into you know, best storyline or hot takes on the show or whatever. But this idea of community where, and this is not completely or or uniquely part of Native American communities, but the idea that we're all related, even if we're not. Yeah. That I can call you uncle, cousin, brother, grandfather, grandson. Mm -hmm. I loved every second of that, every utterance of that and the way it binds that community together. And then I think there's implications for big, uh, who is the uh, police, the the uh, tribal policeman. You, th- you talk about the need for community policing, for people to live where they work and know the communities that they're working in. You see that on, on beautiful display here. So there's something, you know, I, I, I see your notes about kind of the, the holy aspect of the show. I mean, it really, through that, it instantly felt sacred to me that we were looking at something that was working at a different level a community that was existing kind of a different level than a lot of the stuff that we watch, certainly that we watch, but I don't know. I just loved it so much. Are you the eye doctor? I'm the everything doctor. Toes, backs, assholes. Hey, I remember you. I've seen you around a lot. What is it this time? Ah, I got into a fight, busted my nose. Can you not tell my mom? Ah, your mom. Read her, right? She's been working with us for about a year. She's very delightful to have around. Mm. So, um, what does your, sorry, father say about your nose? Um, well, my dad's really not here that often, so. Uh, is your mom remarried? Uh, why? Just bedside matter. Relax, Bear. Everything's good. So, you got beat up. Actually, I got jumped. It's because I'm the leader of a gang. Sort of the leader, you know, big responsibilities. Wait till you get older. Life gets much harder. Look at me. You think I like having this job? You think I wanted to be out here this long? Ten years. I don't have a family. I got nothing. Don't get me wrong. I love the Native American people. Very sweet, majestic, very special. I'm trying to grow this out. I'm sick of it. I just want to go back from where I'm from. China? No, you sh**. I grew up in San Diego. I'm Korean, not Chinese. What the? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean anything like that. Are you Navajo or Inuit? Neither. Okay, then. Yeah, I guess if I had a hot take about the show, like, you know, the we've already kind of touched on a lot of it. It's it's the sense that, like, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter what the overarching story is. 
Like right. if you have a story for a character, you throw it in and it can be uh, it can be a comedy, it can be a drama, it can be whatever you need that story to be for that particular episode. Like I, that's the that's the echoes to Atlanta, right? Where it's like uh-huh. you could you could have like a bizarre episode weird. of Atlanta. Let's get weird. Just, yeah. yeah, exactly. That just shows up out of nowhere and you're like, "Wait, what are we doing like running through the woods like after a barbershop you know like what is happening right now yeah. um <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and the same thing is true with this show and in a way like it even sort of dials it up a notch because it brings in that idea of ancestry and this idea of like yeah everyone in the community is uncle brother you know father sister you know all of that stuff but even your ancestors call you that too, right? When like when oh, the, yep. you know when the when the ghost comes to you know and and is like doing the same thing of like uncle, brother, sister, blah blah blah. You realize that like it's not just about like these relationships across the community. It's about these relationships across time. You know, um, yeah. It's just it's really cool, and it shows I, like how yeah. everything is connected. Yeah, the that's the sneaky good part with the warrior. Yeah, Dallas Goldtooth, the actor who plays uh, a warrior who appears in visions, largely to um, Bear. Yeah, and it would always refer to Bear in like three or four different familial ways, you know. And it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so. It's so also like it's also deep. perfect in like what if your guardian angel was an idiot, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, young warrior. Looks as though you've tasted the white man's lead. It's only paintballs. I have had many brothers and sisters meet the same fate in my time. Are you crazy horse or sitting? No, no, no. I'm not one of those awesome guys. No, I'm more of your, uh, I'm more of your unknown warrior. Yeah. You know my name? William Knifeman. <laughs> I was at the battle of Little Bighorn. That's right. I didn't kill anybody, but I fought bravely. Well, I didn't actually fight. I actually didn't even get into the fight itself. But I came over that hill real rugged like, ah, ah. I saw Custer like that, that yellow hair. He was sitting there, son of the morning star, that guy right there. So I went after him, but then the damn horse hit a gopher hole, rolled over and squashed me. I died there. This horse actually, little sh- And now I'm meant to travel the spirit world. Find lost souls like you. The spirit world. It's cold. My nipples are always hard. I'm always hungry. Got it. Being a warrior, it's not always easy. You and your thuggy-ass friends, what are you doing for your people? It's easy to be bad. It's hard to be a warrior with dignity. Remember that. In my time, we gave everything. We died for our people. We died for our land. What are you going to do? What are you going to fight for? Ah! Ah, I just no idea. But for real though, listen to what I said. Marinate on that. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's just he's got these trying to do the, the do the shouts and the whoops and he starts coughing and it's like <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's a good show. I think, um, you know, another thing we, we, if you, if I can steer a little bit, uh, where we, we talk about, um, kind of your favorite scene sequence or episode. And I wonder if, 
where you would take us with that. I've got I've got a couple ideas, but. Yeah, for me, and there there are two incidents. One that you've probably seen in the first season, and then this character shows up again in the second season. And that's the deer woman. There's a yeah, there's an episode season for sure. Yeah, yeah. So there's an episode of the show that is a it's a big centered episode. So we've already talked about big, played by Zon McLaren, right? The um, this uh, it's basically he's basically like the the reservation police. Um, and big has an incident where he sees like this spirit, um, at a robbery when he's a kid, it's the, it's called the deer woman. Right. And she's sort of this vengeful, she's sort of this vengeful spirit that's, that meets out justice, you know, um, to, to those who are being wronged. And um, the and the, the, yeah, the, the main thing is like, don't get on her bad side. Right. And she's she sort of appears to big as like this um, protector. And yet but like, you know, as if the boogeyman was your protector, you know, it's like it's mesmerizing and terrifying is how I described it. She might um, come for you as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I yeah any any time the deer woman shows up on the show I'm just like I can't take my eyes away just totally totally engrossed. Um, I don't know that I had like a particular favorite favorite episode in the first season, but there are a couple of sequences maybe relationships between characters that moved me to my core. And I want to say I should have said this from the start. I've said this before on the podcast. It's rare that my wife and I ever really like the same show. And um, I said, look, you, I've got, I'm going to watch this show for this podcast and please, you know, if you want to watch the first episode or two with me, let's do it. She was instantly hooked. Yeah. And we both were like, how good is this show? Um, And she shares this with me. Uh, Any scene with cheese. Yes. (laughs) My pronouns are he. (laughs) he, The only person on the res saying this. Isn't he the (laughs) sweetest kid? And the, and what really almost moved me to tears was the fir- the first episode where he wheels this blind woman out yeah. of a hospital to take her outside, pretending he's her grandson. Yeah, which is kind of cheeky, but also he's so sweet. And then, and spoiler alert, I don't care. In the last episode, he's confessing to her because he thinks he's going to California. You know, I'm not your grandson. And she says, yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Of course you are. I mean, it just, I kind of had, to, I took a breath. It kind of got me. And I was, I, it's just, again, I'm coming back to that community and the way it kind of more intimate relationships can form across bloodlines and all that stuff. And I just thought it was such a, in a show where you have somebody like Willie Jack and Bear, to have cheese is kind of an offset of that. It's just so, so smart. And hey, cheese. Why don't you say a prayer? You're good at it. A little long, but go for it, bro. You got this. Uh, okay. Um, well. He, she, hers, his, they, genderless being. We're here for our friend Daniel. Um,. Oh, we just wanted this moment to be significant. Like in the movies, like a never-ending story when the wind blows down to the basement and Ashton realizes that he's been reading about himself, but like his inner self was actually a Treyu and- Cheese. 
Sorry. Keep going, bro. We didn't get to say goodbye to you, Daniel. And, um, you know what? To be honest, I've been kind of mad at you. You're my hero, man. Now you're not here to make things right or better. Willie Jack, she cares for her family members. And now she's lost her brother, cousin, friend. And Bear, he lost his best friend. Now Peaceum's missing. And Laura, she lost her hope. Remember she looked at the future, she'd see you there, man. You're our brother. <laughs> Remember you for all the good things we've done together. And we're out here for you, man. We just hope we're doing the right thing. Cheese. And that's the thing, though, like that's the that's the thing about the show that just catches you off guard is that you can go from like side splitting comedy with like the spirit or Uncle Brownie or something like that to just like weeping at, you know, how this show like touched you in a moment, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just, it's very well done. Like, it's just, it's... I'm it's, starting to feel like this is one of the shows we've liked the most in this podcast. I don't know. I feel like we're glowing over this. I mean, you know, it's just well-written. It's well-thought so out. Like, you know, hey. It, yeah. Okay. Give, give something credit if it's awesome. Best performance. So it's a tie for me between okay. uh, Zach McLarnon as uh, Big and um, Paulina Alexis as Willie Jack. Who's a character okay. that we haven't? So we talked about Bear. Bear's kind of like the protagonist, and like Bear's kind of the character that kind we follow of. a lot yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. Um, Cheese uh, is the other guy in the group. Um, Alora is like, um, what a great choice you know. for the name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, she's she's uh, one of the girls in the she's group. The brains. She's the brains. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's she's always trying to figure out how they can get the cash to go to California. And then there's Willie Jack, who, um, you know, is uh, where I has mean, she been all my life? I mean, what like do we say the word tomboy anymore? Like she, she you know, she comes off as like she's sort of raised by her dad. What a beautiful relationship that is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and. Um, the episode that's the Willie Jack centric episode where she's processing her cousin's death and also on a hunting expedition with her dad. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it is, it's one of like, I dare you to look at your phone while you're watching that episode of TV. Like it's, it's impossible. I'm looking at my phone it's now, my notes that I took during <laughs> that show. And all I did was at the end of the episode, I just did like two sentences about what the sh episode was about. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't look away. But then also like like all the other great FX shows that are out there right now, The Bear does this really well too. Like you'll get an amazing guest star that just kind of swoops in every now and then. Like Bill Burr will show up and you'll be like, oh my God, yeah, Bill Burr is like really good in this. <laughs> you know? He is very good. 
Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I agreed with you. I saw your notes and will I just, I want to show just about Willie Jack, like yeah. give me like seasons of that. Cause what a, what an insanely talented actress and her presence and her voice and her toughness, but then her heart, as we see at the end of the season, I'm not going to, I don't want to say too much about that, but, and I think you're right about Zahn. I think this is one of the, one of the better things that he's done. Like mm-hmm. oftentimes it feels like he's in these bit parts, but he's he, got a long career playing native American characters. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, but here it feels like this is a real kind of a real star in his crown, if you will. And the red bone sequence. So, <laughs> I was like, I thought I would never hear that song the same way again after guardians of the galaxy. And now I'm never going to hear it the same way again after reservation dogs. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I gotta say, so yeah, I, I kind of side with you, uh, Paulina. I agree with you about Zion, but Paulina for me was kind of my favorite. Well, just um, wait until you get to the second season, and you'll well, never get hear, into it this weekend. Yeah, you'll never hear Tom Petty's "Free Falling" again. Oh, I can't uh, the wait. Same way after the I second season. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh. So yeah, and the other thing that I would say is, um, if you're a Willie Jack fan. Uh, I think it's the penultimate episode of the second season. You're just going to be, your jaw is going to be on the floor. Yeah. So it's. Well, I'm ready. Come on then. Tell me what's wrong. Brought me the offerings. Let's go. Well, Baron and Laura don't talk anymore. Well, we hang out, but. It's like they're just trying to be polite. Cheese is always with his new grandma all the time, which is good. I don't know, man. It's like, I just feel like we're broken up. Like, we're supposed to be the dream team. Can raise dogs. Friends grow apart. Saying like that. It's like everyone's walking around in the sunshine. We're just in the darkness. Bear and Laura especially. up on the table like we just did close your eyes we're gonna have a little prayer <sighs> i need your help what not you keep your eyes shut eyes closed no matter what happens okay just focus on the dark Good. Just listen to your breathing for a second. Remember the stories I told you when you were growing up about the people we come from. Generations of medicine people. Caretakers. 
These are the ones that held us together as we arrived from our homelands. The healers who carried us and buried us as we marched. Men and women whose songs led us through the dark. They're watching you, my girl. You don't need me. You have them. This is the power we carry. When you really pray, they're all around you. theology corner then just real quick because we've talked about a lot what up white jesus yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i love anybody that calls out that's some colonized thinking right there that's uh that's right yeah well this is one of those situations too where you've seen one season i've seen both and i'm starting to mix up like the white jesus references because white jesus shows up quite a bit Um, that must be season yeah um but anyway it like the thing from a theology perspective i think the thing that this show does that is um that i wonder about when it comes to really our podcast which is the you know i talked about it as like a casual nature of talking about religion of how the spiritual life sort of moves through the community like for so many characters on the show, like the spirit world is just a part of life. Like it's just part of what it is that, you know, they're experiencing in the world. Like it's no different from, you know, grabbing a bag of chips, you know, or stealing a, stealing a truck full of chips. Truck. You know, or something. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's all connected, right? Like meat pies and spirits. It's all the same thing. Right. And, um, and I think that like, you know, for for me anyway, growing up in a Christian culture, like that's so divorced from like your regular life. Like uh, I think for a lot of, you know, quote unquote Christians, like you show up for church on a Sunday for an hour, that's that thing. And then the rest of your life is whatever you want it to be. But it's I not like, it's not incorporating that, you know, that's like a, a-, a thing that you do. I would push back just a tad on that. Um, okay. But only only in the sense of like the way in which people talk about Jesus or what that some people talk about Jesus in a Southern kind of evangelical culture, like Jesus is kind of my homeboy, my ride or die. Like there's okay. a sense of like Jesus is always over my shoulder or something like that. Right. But, but if you're talking about having visions of Jesus on the regular, like. Well, it's a little different. That, yeah. yeah. Like people- but also, But also I think there's also an openness to this idea of, a deeper spirituality that permeates it can be found in other places that aren't specifically religious or explicitly Jesus. 
which mm -hmm. is not true about what I'm saying, uh, uh, kind of about a white evangelical experience of Jesus day to day, best friend kind of thing. So I think there is a difference, but I think there's also something to what you're talking about where like Jesus is kind of Jesus take the wheel kind of mentality. Well, I think it is compartmentalized. I mean, it's like, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that like for a lot of people, your religious life is a component of your life, but it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost akin to like your work life or, you know, or your okay. yeah. gym life yeah. or whatever, you know, it's, it's this, uh, it's this extension still boundaries. of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. it's yeah. not like, it's not this sort of thing that's incorporated into who you are, right? Like yeah. Bear has these visions and at no point is it like, he's a little like weirded out by the warrior that he's been given because he's kind of a fool, right? Really, but like, yeah. he yeah. understands that like, this is part of life. Like occasionally these warrior spirits come to you and you have these bizarre conversations with them and hopefully they give you insight yeah. uh, or maybe they'll just, you know, mess around with you. Um, I like this idea that you've touched on about how even in the messiness of our life or, or that the possibility that the afterlife or, or, or maybe a more purely spiritual life or experience could be as messy as our lived one. Yeah. You know, I had, I was involved in this other series of interviews recently with, uh, this is going to sound terribly name dropping, but it just is what it is, uh, for a film called Padre Pio, which re uh, released recently, Abel Ferrara's uh, biography about the saint, or not, not really biography, it's it's kind of two films in one, but part of it is uh, Padre Pio's arrival at this uh, church and right on the eve of, I believe it's World War One. Shia LaBeouf plays Padre Pio, and we're... Uh, overseeing some interviews with him and some um, various press people were kind of pushing back on him and Abel for kind of why is there language in the movie? Yeah. Like, could you not left that out? And uh, to their credit, they were like, well, we're just basically quoting his letters. Like if you read his letters and his diary, he curses all throughout them. And mm -hmm. um, I can't remember. I think it was, and I know he didn't make this up and, but I think it was, Shia, who said he wasn't a saint when he was alive, right? Like mm -hmm. he was a messy person, yeah. Who was who became a saint after he died, you know? And I, that has kind of stuck with me a lot when I think about some of the stuff we talk about at the intersections of art or film and you know religion and theology. And I think that's what we see here is like there's this complete openness to messiness. To I don't like the word brokenness, but like it's just profoundly human. Yeah, even in its spiritual in its spiritual uh, element, is profoundly human, and it just it's it it works. Yeah, and it's a passed down tradition, and it's a lived tradition. I mean, that's what I appreciate about it. Is like like Uncle Brownie, for as weird as he is on this show, you know, he's like this pot dealing, like you know, sort of recluse living out in the woods and stuff like that. But he understands that, like, if he wants to stop a storm, he's got to get naked and, like, <laughs> go out and, like... I need, know, I need Uncle spirit. Brownie in Mississippi tomorrow. We've been pounding <laughs> by these storms. I'm going to get on my roof tomorrow naked with an axe and see what happens. I'm going to get kicked out of the neighborhood. But, you know, you're exactly right. You know what's really funny? You just made me think about this kind of lived, passed-down tradition 
Of course, yeah. everybody in that community kind of pushes back against him with that, even though they're they're part of that tradition. They say, oh, you should come to the church basement with us. You're being crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's something that we haven't really talked about either. And another uh, really compelling character, even though she only appears in maybe one or two episodes, is Bear's mother, mm-hmm. uh, Rita, who, who it works at a hospital, the local the, the reservation hospital. And the, the episode where they're planning a diabetes awareness event and they have a rapper who raps about fry bread. Right. Which is not what you should be eating if diabetes is ravaging your community. Right. She, we only ever see her make a face. I mean, it's completely understated and, and perfectly hand, uh, uh, handled where we know she's like, what is happening, you know, mm-hmm. to my community. And, but it's that, she's never gonna she can't say anything because she's not gonna stop people from eating fry bread right Right. but just like nobody's gonna stop uh uncle brownie from hopping on a roof and wielding an axe at a tornado (laughs) yeah but you learn these things like these are things that get passed down so one thing that i will talk about from the second season because it's like oh yeah yeah i I think it i think it's important and and you'll you'll experience it you know i don't think this will affect your enjoyment of it there's an episode where uh, a family member that we don't really know from the first season is passing away. And you get like this, you know, what what harkened back to me, speaking of like these mirror sort of shared story experiences and stuff. This woman is uh, this grandmother sort of dying in her bedroom at home. Nothing can be done for her. But all of the sort of elders of the reservation are sort of with her sometimes they'll sing around her sometimes they'll just sit in the room with her in silence or tell her stories or put chapstick on her lips or something like that meanwhile out in the living room there's just like a party going like there's like food and people coming by and like lots of people like gathering and moving in and out and sharing stories and talking about like you know, the old days and talking about what's going on right now and, you know, what the kids are up to and stuff like that. And it like, it's, it's this, like the household becomes like this living organism, right? Where it's like, you have this death that's happening at the center of this matriarch of this family, but like the legacy of that matriarch is being lived out in the house, like as she's dying. And it's just, it's, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's all connected and it's all passed down. And all of these traditions are like, you know, something that resonate with the community, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they live off of this, you know, this tradition and these, you know, these shared experiences and stuff. Yeah. And it goes from one generation to another. The beauty of it for me is just the integration of the spiritual life. And it's not a weird thing. It's just another thing that's part of being human, you know? Yeah, I like that. And I think there's something, if God can be found in anything, it's what you're talking about. It's the intense communality of the communal experience of of this reservation life that, that somehow in all of that mix, if you are inclined to think this way, that somehow, somehow the divine emerges from that. Like, or is bound up in that, um, in everything, in the in the rapper chorus as they drive by on their ride by on their bikes, you know, uh, <laughs> every, a little everything. Mic. What, what just, everything. 
Like it's just it's such it's so beautiful. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, you want to talk industry? It's well, my I was favorite part. You, is it too? We, we're getting there. It is your favorite part, and it's I my favorite part of like the part. I have like a Kevin Bacon, you know, six degrees of separation kind of thing here to talk about, but. Uh, oh, I, I nice! See, I see where you're going with this. So, what are you what are you thinking about industry wise? Okay, let me just set up because we've talked about Hulu already, and like, what is it? It's a mishmash and stuff. But sure. what I will say is that where I'm coming at this is from the FX perspective, which yeah, was sure. FX was yeah. a cable channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So FX was a cable channel Archer. that I watched quite a bit, but. Sure. Um, back in the day, so we're talking like early 2000s, you know, into the 2010s and stuff. FX always felt like it felt like a junior version of HBO. Right. It was like it was like the prestige uh, shows that HBO didn't get like, you know, maybe FX will get it. So it's like the shield instead of the wire or sons of anarchy instead of the Sopranos. It's like it's like the HBO stuff felt like one step up from like what the FX stuff was. And now, now that FX is sort of living on Hulu, like I feel that HBO is kind of locked into the safer play, right? Where it's like all their shows kind of start to look a little similar. It's like, okay, we've got like our blockbuster show, like our Game of Thrones or our Succession or something like that. And then we also have sort of these like safe intriguing shows like euphoria or the idol that's on right now but fx is like uh, we're just going balls out like we're just doing whatever like give us a good show and that's how you get things like atlanta or reservation dogs or what we do in the shadows or my favorite show that i'm watching right now the bear you know it's like let's just well, try the bear, i'm we're excited to start season two of the bear what we do in the shadows is one of my favorite shows of the last five years. Um, no, I think you're right. I think the comparison is, is spot on. Um, and it's funny. I don't know if I can go into too much detail for like privacy reasons, but my pastor in Oakland, uh, the church we went to in Oakland, we, when we lived in the Bay area, knew John Landgraf, who was the exec, the chief of programming for FX or is oh, wow. for FX. And I won't say how they knew each other, but, um, I mean, they're not like, I, I never got the sense that they were like super close friends, but, um, I remember him speaking highly of John, of being like just a really good dude of really smart. And if you go listen to some of his, um, like the tele, the TCA stuff, the television critics association, when, you know, the, the, the networks always roll out their new programming for critics and they have upcoming star, you know, stars of upcoming series do panels and they have, um, programming execs talking about the upcoming slate or whatever. If you go back and look through some of those old videos with uh, John Landgraf, he, he gets it and, and he got it really quickly. And he, he, I think he even said like, I'd have to go back and, and, and find a couple of them. But I mean, I think this idea of like, we're just going to go for it. Yeah. Like, let's just let, he didn't say this, but it was kind of the sense of, yeah, man, let's get weird. Like, let's just, we've got permission now. Like there's no yeah. rules anymore. Like with all these streamers showing up and, and I think this may have been the pre, it was certainly pre Hulu. Some of this where uh, we're just going to go for it. And, and, and on top of kind of knowing secondhand that he, he seemed to be like a genuinely good human 
you know, mm-hmm. it's but and there's such a heart to all of these shows, though. I'm looking at what you listed here, Atlanta, Reservation Dogs, What We Do in the Shadows, The Bear. Those are profoundly spiritual. Like there's a lot, a lot going on there other than there than, than what's on the surface. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just a restaurant show. It's not just a vampire show. It's, you know, there's just there's some depth there that kind of ties them all together. And I think I think FX is in a really strong place. It feels like to me. I mean, oh, I think so. what, yeah. one of the one of the biggest shows on TV right now in terms of kind of critical acclaim. And I mean, people seem to love it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, um, you know, they still have misses. Like uh, that Jeff Bridges show that was on um, a couple of, I guess it was a year ago. The old man started we, we off with that. like such promise, and yeah. then it kind of fell off a cliff. Like after well, what was the what was the Nick Offerman show? Devs, uh, Devs. Devs yeah. That was kind of a miss, you know. Like, but intriguing. But you're not gonna bat a you're not gonna bat a hundred or a thousand or whatever. You know where Hulu baseball. You know where FX got me was, you know, the whole superhero craze. Yeah. yeah. Um, The whole superhero craze, you know, and everybody's like looking for the next Marvel project or something like that. And here comes FX rolling out Legion, which is like this obscure like X-Men villain, you know, and you're like, okay, well, I guess they're capitalizing on like 20th Century Fox properties back when 20th Century Fox was still you know, its own thing and not owned by Disney. And that Legion show is so weird and just like, so just divorced from anything that you would think of under the superhero banner. And I was like, I'm in man. Like, this is great. Like, tell me how good was that first season? Like, I know what a superhero show looks like. I don't need to see another superhero show, but take this character and do something weird with it. I'm on board. And that should that, we do an episode by episode podcast on Legion? Is that what you're saying? Are you asking me if we want to do that? Because I'll do it. <laughs> it's not like you and I are doing anything else with our lives. Like I'd love to, I'd love to go back. Go. Yeah, Legion was a great show. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. just like because you're right. You had never seen anything like that. No, absolutely not. Especially in the superhero genre. Are you kidding? Like even even the Disney Plus stuff just plays it so safe. It's just like no, like let go, man. Let it let it fly. See what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I just like for a for a channel that sort of had its brand kind of locked in in my mind of FX. Like I'm sort of impressed with where they've come. Like 20 years later from where they started. 100%. Yeah. Uh, all right. You want to spin the wheel? See what our next show is. All right, spin the wheel. This is we're all right. I'm going to solve. All right. Corno curl cabinet. Dang, man, we're running out of shows. The wheel's looking empty. Okay. All right. Here we go, Ryan. So the wheel has picked my Netflix pick, which uh, is currently Sandman. I got to go back and watch that. Well, here's the thing. I think I'm going to change it. Oh, we're going to trade up? Like I think a, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna trade Sandman out because I just finished a series on Netflix and I think I want to talk about it. And that's beef. I think I want to talk about the beef. Best, the best series of the year. Done. All right. So done. I'm in I'm in it. I can't wait to rewatch it. <laughs> Loved every second of it. 
I got to see if we know anybody else at Netflix. We need to see if we can do an interview. All right. So next time we're going to talk about beef on the show. That's going to be yes. my Netflix pick. Thank you. <laughs> Let's just be honest. It's a hundred times better than Sandman. I got to tell you, Sandman was fine for about half a season. If they had just stuck with yeah. that first half of the season, they would have been okay. But um, beef but, is yeah. a masterclass yeah. in screenwriting. I mean, that that was that that just you, you, it felt like when the person typed the first word of the first script, they knew where it was going to go. Yeah, yeah, I think like, so. Yeah, I think so. And it's uh, well, okay, we got to save it. We got to save it for the beef pod. No, so that's uh, just a beef. teaser. We like that's a tease. That's a <laughs> so, so beef will be our man, next man, show. That's gonna be so good. Ooh, what a conversation. Ryan, thank you for hanging out in Oklahoma on the reservation with me. Uh, let's hope we avoid some tornadoes here uh, over the coming months. I think, uh, and competing gang and warring gang. Factions. That's right. And warring gangs. Let's hope nobody calls us a shit ass anytime soon. <laughs> I, that's, that's the only way I refer to my dogs now. <laughs> I love uh, it. Uh, we'll see you Thanks. next time. Drippin' down her face, workin' stove tops